What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode on the Duwam Marrero podcast. This is your host, Duwam Marrero. Joining me on this episode is the man, the myth, the legend, Coach John Boyd. I wanted Coach Boyd to come on the podcast to discuss what it's like to be a 4A class state champion uh, for the state of Indiana in basketball. That's a huge milestone that uh, many people don't get to accomplish. And I was able to pick his brain um, gain some great philosophy and, and basically how to approach the game of basketball on and off the floor. Uh, Coach Void is one of a kind. And like I said, I want him to come on the podcast to share his journey and, and share his thoughts about what it was like to prepare for postseason as postseason is here and is around the corner. So this is an episode you do not want to miss. Also, I apologize for the background noise. I'm in the office and uh, it's a lot going on. Uh, we all know how that can be. So nevertheless, uh, leave a review, hit subscribe, share this episode with a friend, and hope you enjoy this episode. Take care. It's a pleasure. Uh, long time coming. How's everything going with you, sir? And um, I'm a huge fan of you, and, I, and I'm honored to have you on the podcast. I appreciate I appreciate that, uh, Dewan. Uh, very honored to be on your podcast. Um, this is something that I, you know, aspire to one day do. Just tell some stories about, you know, my, my adventure. Yeah. But, but starting off with you, definitely. You know, I appreciate somebody it. That, somebody I've known for quite some time through his mom. Yeah, <laughs> for <it>. sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, um, when you accept an invitation, man, I was thrilled. And because you have so many stories and you've had so much success in the, in the basketball business and off the floor, let's let's dive in for the new listeners who, who just heard of Coach John Boyd. Who is Coach John Boyd? And, and talk about your success you had, I believe, 2004 when you won a 4A state championship. Two. 2000. You, you yes, won two? 2002. Yes, 2002. Okay, yeah, 2002. Um, let's go back in time and, and, and talk about that because a, a lot of the listeners, they's like, I heard of Coach John Boyd, but let me make sure this is the same Coach John Boyd we knew from day one. Well, I'm going to just, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm sum it up, you know, uh, real quick. Um, definitely, you know, decide, I ended up getting the West Side job. Took me eight, eight, in, eight uh, school board meetings to get the Gary West Side uh, job because I was a newcomer. Young, young kid on the block. Um, everybody who ever has coached high school basketball understands there's a lot of politics involved. Um, a lot of people, a lot of decision makers, people with, with authority who control who, you know, are the people that they want in those jobs. So um, ended up getting that job. Um, a lot of people, the citywide AD, Coach Earl Smith, somebody that I revere, had a huge impact on my life. But when we first started off, he was somebody, you know, his, one of his best friends was Ike Brown, Coach Ivory Brown, you know, another one of my mentors. And um, he thought that I was pushing Coach out, you know, because when you're young, you know, that's what they, they think, you know, the young whippersnapper guy who, right. who has, you know, 15, 12 kids that are just complete studs. Um, the next thing you know, you know, um, he's trying to, to, to shove his way into to this, this life, high school basketball coach. Um, got on the circuit, you know, had some really good players, 
that I started with, but I ended up, coach ended up offering me, uh, coach Brown offered me the, the JV job, you know, first he offered me the freshman job, but he said, Hey, after seeing me, you know, the drills and, and the way I was coaching, he was like, you know what, I'm gonna make you my JV coach. Of course, his staff did not want me to be the JV coach. Sure. But, and I had to hide players, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I was promised and I'll just go, you know, these are- Yeah, this is on filter, this is on filter podcast. We could be, be us. When I, when I, when I, when I was a coach, I had probably one of the best AAU teams ever assembled uh, in Beast program history. <laughs> I had Ricky Wright, Kenneth Lowe, Vincent Hart, who was the number one player in the country. Um, uh, Udi Baker, who was literally a pro, Carlton Baker. Um, um, also, Austin Parkinson, who was the head coach at IUP, uh, PUI. All of these kids, we, we traveled. Northeast Church, Patrick Danley. We all traveled. And we're talking about 6'7", 6'9", 6'7", 6'8". Guards were 6'4". You know, all of them high major, division one, um, and and so those kids were the kids that I was coming into the East Chicago, Gary area, you know, and discussing where they were going to play. And of course, my EC kids went to EC. I can recall, I'm, and I'm just going, I'm moving around here. Yeah, no, please, because this history for me that I've, yeah, I've I was, never known. I can, yeah, I can recall one day we were sitting in a, in a hotel room and I looked at Carlton Udi Baker, who like clearly was the best freaking, one of the best athletes. And he was unreal, you know, to see what he could do on the basketball court. And uh, and talk crap the whole game, you know, um, but him, Ricky Wright, and uh, and, 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 and uh, Jefferson. Okay. They were all, they were all in the same team together with Kenneth Lowe, Vincent Hart, and uh, John Gates and Pat Danley, Mario Harris. So they are all, all on the same same team. And so we're sitting in the hotel and I'm telling them, hey, you guys will never beat us at Westside. And they were like, why you say that, coach? Because you're undisciplined. You know, I said, you know, when you want to win championships, it's got to be a team. It's got to be a commitment by each individual player. And it's got to be totally about the team. And I say, and I watch you guys all the time. I say, you have the, you have more talent than us, you know, but I'm going to get you on strategy and, 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 uh, and discipline. And so I ended up getting that West Side High School job after those eight school board sessions. I mean, it's all in, it's all what, in. Uh, what was it like those school board sessions? Like, like now it's just obviously word of mouth, I feel like. Yeah. And here in this time and in, in, in coaching. But what was it like going through those, those school board meetings to fulfill your task and job at West Side? Well, we were with the, the the principal at that time was was Cliff Gooden, and he told me to show up at the school board meeting. I showed me and uh, my assistant coach Raymond Allen. We showed up at the school board meeting, and when we went in there, Al Hamnick, who was the head writer for the Post Tribune at that time, came in and said, "Well, they took you off the agenda, coach." And I was like, "Whoa!" He was like, "You might as well not even stay around." So I'm like, "Okay." Go to another one. He was there because he wanted, you know, this was going to be a big, it was a huge hire. You know, we had all the old school coaches that were there, you know. So we had Hoover, we had uh, Coach Broom, you know, we had Coach Pulliam, at, Coach Vasquez at, at work. You know, these guys were all older than, you know, I mean, they were veterans, you know, been doing it for a long time. And I was just a new kid. 
So, and, and coach Brown, he was still at Westside, but he was retiring. And, and so uh, they came in and they, they brought me in um, and coach, coach Smith was there all the time. And he kept pushing me back because he didn't want Ike to retire. Right. He wanted, Ike to, he thought I was pushing him out. So, you know, um, I ended up staying, I ended up not getting that job right there. They stayed a couple of years because my kids, those kids that I was, I was just telling, telling you about, Vincent Hart, Kenneth Lowe, and all those kids, they they won the, the semi-state, not semi-state, they lost in the final four. But I was promised to be able to coach my kids from Beckman for one year, you know what I'm saying? Because that team was a state championship team. I mean, right. Kenneth, that team was, that was going to be my first state championship. I was supposed to, and Gary, I was supposed to win about six state championships. No question. But you, you, but, you was a, a legend, like in oh, yeah. ha, ha, how, how they used to reveal you, like Coach John Boy was just that dude. I mean, how I view Marvin Ray, mm -hmm. Marvin Ray for many players before my time. Yes, that was my man. You know, I got it. I got I'm all. I'm gonna send a shout out and I'll tell you a couple of stories about Marvin. You, know, us, you guys you had know. beef. You guys had beef. Oh, you, but, oh yeah, we started off if, with. If, we started if, off. if I could remember, I was like oh, middle see. school elementary I, exactly. you guys used to have beef back in the day why why it, was it that really, coaching yeah, it, it really wasn't beef but i'm gonna I'm I'm move to that yeah so anyway i never got a chance to coach kenneth low because i was the jv coach i was on the bench but i can recall one time when we were at semi-state and this kid tom coberdale who got a full who went to iu he was we played them um i think it was noblesville we played them in the championship. And this was one of my first times when I learned uh, it was good for Coach Brown to take me and Coach Allen because we learned. And I I saw him, you know, he kind of got rattled in the moment, you know, um, in that semi-state. There was some – I mean, we, we were huge. You know, we were the biggest team in the state. But Tom Coverdale ended up hitting 44 points against us. And, and all of my guys, you know, they were, they were nervous. They – came back and they said, hey, it seemed like we was walking in quicksand, coach. So that just, that was something that I used, I kept in the back of my head because I wanted to be able to help players. Well, you know, yeah, got nervous before, I knew that in order to win a state championship, or to be successful, you had to have well, a formula just, for getting kids to be comfortable in extremely challenging situations. And that's different when you come from, you know, a small community like Gary, where we don't have a whole lot of bright lights. The biggest bright lights are just in our, our gyms when we right. have crowds or things like that. These kids have been, you know, they've been in, they've been able to travel and do those types of things. And, and that's very important nowadays to get kids out, get the exposure, you know, where they're around people so that they can be comfortable, uh, you know, in those type of environments. But I learned from that. And so when I finally was able, after those eight workings, I was finally able to take the helm, I had kept, a couple of players because coach kept, you know, he never allowed me, you know, the assistant coaches knew that when I got that job, I was going to fire them, you know, because I needed people who wanted to work year round. I didn't look at basketball as a basketball change and it changed for me, you know, and I, I felt like it's a year round job. If you're trying to compete with the Indianapolis schools and you're from Northwest Indiana, we don't have all the facilities that they have, but, this is a year round job, you know, in the summer times, you got to get your kids together. They have to play AAU. They have to travel. They have to work out. They have to lift. 
They have to run, you know, no longer is it just, you know, a six month, five month job, you know? So I kind of changed that mentality in our community and was able to, to create a program that was known across the country, you know? Um, and, and I had Brandon Cameron, who was under my tutelage. I had Chris Hunter, who was 6'9", but he was probably 150 pounds. You know, and then I had <laughs> I had Keep Christmas, and what I did was I developed them. You know, Brandon and 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 Chris were my cornerstones, and so I played them on the varsity as sophomores. Um, but I always had a defender on the floor. That was a part of my formula. I knew that if I had three players, I took the model from a couple of teams that I had viewed and watched, and I, if you got three studs and two role players you can win a championship, you know, you can win, you can be successful. So that was my, everybody, and most importantly, if you taught everybody to respect each other's role, you know, Brandon was our leader. I put the ball in his hand. I challenged him every day to practice. And in 2002, um, he was able to, he was able to take our team um, to a, a state championship, you know, and I was just, I was a part of it, but those guys, those guys have bought into the system so well that they kind of, and it's sort of the same way that, that things happen with you guys. You know, once you get a good group of kids, then they know what it takes to, to win. And then that, that's exactly what happened, you know, along the way. Those guys, and we were a team that was, and this is what's crazy, three Indiana All-Stars on that team. That entire team was unranked, four pros on the floor. We were unranked. You know, the state of Indiana is the state of Indiana. Right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, they did. The state of Indiana didn't like Westside because in 1972, Westside went down to Bloomington, Indiana. They played Connorsville and they had a episode down there. You know, that was, yeah, they had a brawl. They had a, a big and, they, you know, they had a stain on Gary, Indiana. For sure. You know, they made it seem like we were these, you know, and this is the way they, you know, they, they kind of portray our, our community, a community that I love and that you love. You know, but they portrayed it in a bad light. So they, you know, I'm, I'm like three years old, you know, when, when that happened. Yeah. They're asking me questions at the state tournament about, hey, how do you, you know, how does it feel to be down here after your school? It's, I'm like, I have no recollection of that. You know, you know, that's one thing that I, with my players, I always made sure that they were able to speak eloquently, you know, intelligently in front of the camera, whenever they, you know, to shake a hand and look a man straight in the eye. You know, it's more to me, basketball is always, Rico, it's always been bigger than, you know, just putting the ball in the hoop, you know, especially coming from our community. It's very important for us to represent, you know, our community in a positive way because we are the representation. When we're on those type of stages, we are the representation that you will have when you look at somebody, you know, an African-American male from, from Gary. You know, so Absolutely. it's very important for us to portray ourselves in that positive light. And and we've had some great men, you know, in our lives, you know, the Ron Heflins, the Marvin Rays, those type of people, you know, and 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 it's been it's you know, it's been something that I've lived on. You know, I, I don't speak a whole lot. I'm not you know, I, I just I know what I'm able to do and I know what my assignment is. Absolutely. So I go out there and do it. I know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm speaking about 2002. I'm not a guy that like to go in the past, but mm -hmm. but boy, you 
you're in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, like you are one of those coaches that put kids in position to be successful outside of basketball. And for those that's that's listening, know that boy may be talking to you. You can reminisce how boy goes back in time in his in his story time and let you know, like, hey, like I'm still that same guy today. You, you won a state championship 2002. I remember Marvin's feeling when he won multiple state championships, but I think it was much challenging and much harder in 2002. Talk about that experience when you won and the, and the buzzer sound off and it was like Gary oh. Westside, just, just the 4A state champion. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it, well, I had one of my players, um, you know, we, we, we came out on fire you know, we always prepared. We were prepared for that. But then as the game continued to progress, now this is where my Earl Smith moment, me and Earl Smith bumped heads, and then and me and you talked about egos. So we bumped heads. And, you know, when you're growing up, hey, you know, older people, you're like, ah, they don't know nothing. You know, but I had already moved past that stage in my life. You know, I'm still in my 30s. And I'm like, you know, Earl. Earl you had dreads back then. You had dreads yeah, back then. I had yeah. <laughs> And dreads yeah. back then, and Earl, Earl kind of pulled me to the side. He said, "Hey, coach, I had a chance to win a state championship, you know, with one of my teams. He had Tellus Franks and, and you know uh, Johnny Fort, and a bunch of guys who went on to have great careers." Um, and he told me, he "said I had a chance. I made one mistake." He said, "When I was when I was a young coach, he said he said when you get to the semi state." And the state championship game, game is no tomorrow. He said, don't you have a kid on the bench with two fouls or three fouls trying to save him? He said, you got to have faith in him and play him. So there was one stretch in that state championship game where Chris Hunter picked up his third foul, I think, in the third quarter. And I would, you know, most coaches during the regular season, you're going to sit your kid or you're going to question your, you know, because you don't want him to pick up that fourth foul. Right. Because you play the game different. You play the game differently if you get two fouls in the first quarter, two fouls, you know, you play the game differently. You're trying to, you know, you're trying not to foul out. But I remember what he said. It was like a moment where everything slowed down and Chris had picked up his foul. And then he looked in my eyes and I looked in his eyes and my coaches were like, hey, coach, you got to get him out. But it was on me to make that decision. And I made the decision to keep him in that game. And on the next play, like it was just craziness, but on the next play, Chris ended up running down the floor and getting a tip slam to put us up, you know, I think 11 points, which is what we needed because Pike went on a incredible run where I, one of the weaknesses of us, and I don't know why they didn't see it on film was, we had a kid on our team who was just outstanding, Dennis Gates. He was a gamer, but he had issues breaking a press, you know? And if you watched us on film, you could see that. I had no idea that they did not, but as soon as they hit that press, yeah. Yeah. oh my goodness, we started turning the ball over, the crowd is going wild, because there's 19,900 people in that game. Before social media. Uh, yeah, yeah, before it sounds right. There's 19 out of the whole city of Gary, the whole city. And because Pike was the number one team in the state of Indiana. And the, I think they were like number nine in the country. Uh, USA t Today. I mean, all these, you know, it was a big game. So uh, um, we we're in there and and they pressed us. And so at the end, and they were like, you need to get Dennis. You need to get Gates out. 
again, another decision. Nope, not taking him out. He's going to have to learn how to break a press in this game. I just, you know, at this point, it's not about taking, at that point, it's not taking, a, you know, an opportunity from somebody who you rolled with for, you know, all that, the whole season. And one quick story about Dennis Gates, Please. you know, where, for young coaches. Um, some of your players have parents who demand, um, you know, accountability, accountability from their kids. Uh, Dennis, his family was well-rooted in the church. So Dennis had issues coming to our summer workouts at times. And a lot of the other players, a lot of the other players had comments and concerns and they were like, why does he get to, you know, and I'm, I come from the church. So, you know, asked my mom about it. And my mom was like, Hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, make a decision on this. What is your decision going to be? Right. So my decision was that I'm going to stick with Dennis in my starting lineup, but he's going to work when he doesn't have to attend church and go to us a vacation Bible school and all these other things. He's going to do his work. I'm going to give him you know, a pass where he can come after that. We would come in after and let Dennis work and do things like that. But the players were upset because they felt like, you know, it was very competitive. You know, everybody's looking for an edge to get in that starting lineup. Right. We were just smart enough to understand that Dennis fills a hole, you know, or, or fills, fills, you know, a, point, a, a part of our team that we really needed. And his confidence and belief yeah. in what we were doing were astronomical. So in that game, Again, Pike had pressed us. Pike had dropped the lead to one point. So now we're in the bonus, though, and I'm a player that knows how to finish games. I mean, I'm a coach, coach, player, whatever. I know how to finish games. You know, that's one of my strengths. If you give me a, a five or seven-point lead, five or seven minutes left in the game, game's over. You know, game's over with me, and my guys know that. You know, What's your philosophy so, with that? Like, like, like what, what makes you so confident that, hey, if I'm up five or seven, I'm gonna win this game. Well, one, the clock is the clock is against the team. So what is a team gonna do with five or seven minutes and they're down by five or seven points? Of course, they're gonna put pressure on you. So when you train, when you work, you definitely work on your players understanding how to play as one in that time. You have to have guys who can finish the game and shoot free throws. Because what's going to happen is teams are going to get very aggressive. They're going to reach. They're going to trap. So you have to be ball strong. Chin position has to be used as a weapon. You see what I'm saying? The jump start right. has to be used as a weapon. Yes. Fake a pass to make a pass has to be used. Back, I mean, you know, back cutting and things of that nature have to be used as a weapon. It's, it's, the, it's the game that is always good. So we spread the floor. You know, um, we spread the floor. We move the ball around. We use the clock. Because remember, unfortunately, in Indiana, we still play basketball without a shot clock. So I just tweeted about that. Right. We need we need a is, shot clock. Is, you can't you can't give somebody who's smart enough to understand that, you know what I'm saying? That option. You know, not having a shot clock is is a weapon, you know, in this state of Indiana when you have a lead. You know, so we were able, you know, we play fast, but when we have to play slow, we will play slow and we'll play methodical where you have to foul us. And so that's exactly what Pike had to do. While they're being aggressive, they're still fouling. We're aggressive, but we're aggressive, but under control. So they foul Dennis Gates. Dennis Gates proceeded to make nine straight free throws in this 
state championship game. Did not miss one. And that was that faith, and that belief. And that's the end of the game. The game was over. You know, and at the end of the game, you know, after that, we ended up building our lead back up to maybe like, you know, two or three points. But we ended up winning that state championship. And it was surreal. You know, I, I'm not a really emotional person like that, you know, because I come from a community that's, that, that it lives in emotion. So it was very important for me to teach my young men how to handle their emotions, how to handle, and, and in those moments, to expect greatness. You have to expect greatness. You have to know and be confident. You know, we don't have to get mad because you made a mistake. No, when you make a mistake, guess what we do? We lift you up. You know, and that's 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 what preaching confidence is all about. And and you saw it in us. You know, some kids were excited, some kids cried. Me, Coach Boyd, you know, I was just <laughs> hugging people and hugging parents right. and, and excited for them because I had always said that you guys can get this done. Absolutely. So you mentioned being able to play half court along with, you know, playing our style, which was up and down, fast tempo. You know, there's teams here in our region, Northwest Indiana, who has an opportunity to win a state championship. But as they go down 65 and they go into sectionals and regionals and semi-state, they have to convert into playing half court but I, I believe you have some coaches that believe I'm gonna still play my certain type of style. How important is it to diversify your offense and be ready when you play against a slow half court team? You have to, you, you have to play, and that's, that's what your schedule should, you know, our schedule, we played Valpo, Valpo, the, the, the score in the regional championship game was 39, 36. Okay, so, and the reason why we were able to play that and I'll remember again, we got a Dennis Gate sighting. Dennis Gate, we came in at, at, at halftime and I told the guys, I think we were down by, maybe we were down by five points or, or maybe a little bit more. But I told the guys, I said, we're two Dennis Gate threes from, from being in, in the lead of this game. You guys are playing great. We were taking charges. We were being methodical. You know, the crowd was thinking we were, you know, our crowd, you know what they think. And for sure, they think we get cheated. We're getting cheated. We're getting Absolutely. cheated. Absolutely. Playing against I'm, the rep, 705. Yeah, I'm looking at my crowd and I'm, I'm raising my hand like, no, we're not. I don't even want that spirit in there. I don't want that mentality. You know, I don't want the referees to think that, you know what I'm saying? So calm my crowd down, put my hand up and told them, hey, we got this. And exactly what I said, we were two Dennis Gates. As soon as Dennis Gates came out of the locker room, bang, bang, he, we're up. And from that point, we played the same type of basketball. They weren't expecting, they, you know, they expect us to play out of control. But again, you know, if you look at our film, you'll see we're not taking more than two dribbles at any time in the half court. You know, we're reversing the ball from left to right, you know, east to west. We're, we're north, south, and we're definitely throwing the seven, eight pass and using our post player to, you know, and who can pass out of the post and you don't have anybody who can stop that person. And all we needed to do was keep moving the ball. We run when we needed to run. We score fast and easy when we need to. But if we have to come down, if you get back on defense, then we're not going to take a shot. Yeah, it's just a that that is, is something that's going to get us in trouble. So I think when you, when you work with kids, you have to teach them, the totality of the game and the totality of the game is that there's a different style of basketball when you play in tournament in playoffs there's a different style of basketball uh, play during the regular season you know you can try you use your schedule to try different things 
during the regular season. But when tournament time comes, we get down to the nitty gritty. We put everything together. We put this masterpiece together, you know, and, and that's what that's what you do. You use your you use your season schedule. You'll play some games. You're trying to win every game, but winning at that time is not important as much as learning is, you know, and learning how to play different paces, different styles, play against a dominant player that's inside, you know, to get your big guys some work, play against a, you know, a well-established guard, go to Chicago because there's not a lot of teams that play as quick in the, the Northwest Indiana area um, that play as quick as an Indianapolis team who we're talking about a city of over a million people. And so yeah, the cream of the crop is gonna have weapons. You know, and so the closest teams to us are those Chicago area teams. That was my philosophy, you know. You know, so we would go to Chicago and we would play the Quentin Richardsons and the all these other guys right. that, you know, and, and and we would see them and and I would they would open their eyes and be like, Hey, these dudes can ball. Like they, they're like right. really good. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. We need to play them. You know, it's not it's not so much as trying to beat them. It's just understanding the pace, the pace at the way they make decisions. Their decision-making at that pace is very, very, very good. So, um, you know, once you get those guys to understanding that, their walk is different. Your, 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 your confidence is different. You know, the way you play is different. And that's what, you know, being around Coach Boy is going to get you because my walk is different. You know what I'm saying? My confidence is different. You know when I come in the room. Correct. Exactly. Any player that's ever played for me, they you know them when they come in the room. What was your favorite team that you coached at Westside? Oh, both of those. My favorite team that I coached ever in life was my 1999 team. They had two. I mean, that was my my best team. I got to give them my best team was my 2002 team because they won a state championship by default. You know, that was that was a team that came together, I mean, in an unbelievable fashion. You know, Brandon Cameron was wearing a Westside Letterman jacket in the seventh grade, you know, because he he represented, you know, everything that we were gonna be, you know. And so I I, I blessed him with a Letterman's jacket in the seventh grade, just to let him know. Yeah, that, you know, you're gonna want, you're gonna be the one. So, you know, yeah. that was his thing. But my but my 199 that was the team that I that I came up into the system, hung out with Bill Hensley, with hung out with Gerald Hershey, uh, with with Coach Gates, everybody. You know, we were all one. We hung out all together, and that was the team that you know uh, you know kind of helped speech to gain notoriety. Those kids were unbelievable. You know, kids to be around. They just never had an opportunity to be coached in a way where um, talents were showcased. I'm a guy who showcases your talent. You know, you give me a, you give me a, a, a phenomenal player and I teach him showmanship the old way, you know, and that's one of the skills that I do in my training. That's one of the things that I offer to parents. You know, I'm going to teach her once they learn the foundation, I'm going to teach your kids showmanship. And it's going to be showmanship that nobody's seen before, you know, um, because it comes from this, this crazy head of mine, you know, from seeing guys who grew up in and get remember who came from Gary, Indiana. There's a lot of guys that are the Juan Marrero came from Gary, Indiana. 
Michael Jackson came from Gary, Indiana, one of the greatest entertainers. So if you were around people who saw those people, then you understand the creativity that roams around in these yeah, heads. We yeah, just don't get to exactly. showcase it as much because we got to get down that road or in our communities around here is so, for lack of better words, you know, the best teams, you really don't get to see them because if I come from certain communities, my team has to win because my school is important. The success of my school system is important. Right. You know, Marvin Ray and John Boyd, we kind of messed that whole thing up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because right. we would take kids who were supposed to be, who were supposed to not be able to do certain things and we shined a light on them. And we gave them opportunities to be great. And when they had those, we taught them a formula. When we had that, when we had that opportunity, they were able to perform, you know, and that was the respect that I always had. Yeah, you know, and Gary is still territorial. You know, I don't know how good five schools were and we were supposed to have five schools or even charters or whatever. But, you know, the bottom line is you had great coaches that work with limited resources. And, you know, instead of entire, you know, rec centers and things like that, we didn't have those type of things. We just had our time and we stayed in the gym, you know, till midnight at times, you know, trying to get kids better and get their families better and, and you know, and to save kids from, you know, things that we had to save ourselves from, get to where we were, you know. What was you guys' disagreement between you and Marvin within basketball? Um, well, being territorial, was it that you you didn't want certain kids to go to Bowman, vice versa, where Marvin was like, hey, man, don't go to Westside. Yeah. We built this program up at Bowman, uh -huh. and, and we're going to make things happen. That That's where the disagreement started. So uh, Marvin was huge in Biddy, you know, and he had a group of kids, Silk and, and those other kids, you know who they Nick are. Nick Moore, yeah, Christopher yeah, Bond, those, Ty Ray, those, those, those guys. Those kids were all promised to Westside High School. You know, they were going to go to Westside High School. And then he, there was this thing that came up about charter schools. And Marvin, Marvin, who should have been the coach at Gary Roosevelt, but the politics was like, once again, they were thick. Marvin didn't have a teaching degree, you know? So at that time, if you weren't a teacher, you know, they they didn't even look your way, you know? Right. So he found a way, which is always, I mean, he's an innovator, you know what I'm saying? He found a way to keep his boys that he had, just like me, keep them together. And then they, they built the Bowman and uh, phenomenal team, phenomenal team. I was ahead of the game at that time when Marvin came in. I mean, the the Gary Westside program was nationally known. You know, it was it's a powerhouse. Yeah, it was a powerhouse. I mean, I was, I never. This is something that people don't know. I never had to buy a gym shoe, a jogging suit, because every year either. The first year Reebok sponsored us. Second year it was, you know, Reebok sponsored us the first two years. Second and third year it was Adidas. And then from that moving forward, we were sponsored by Nike. You know, um, 
And that's every year. I never, I mean, because I always had top 10 players in the country, you know, and I would just get shipments and shipments. I had probably 10, 10 different pairs of uniforms because of course I didn't give uniforms out. So we would wear something different every, every game. You know, we were, you know, I would just promote kids. And these kids, I'm a Nike certified uh, All-American camp trainer. Uh, I used to do all the Adidas All-American camps with, with Sonny Vaccaro. I was at the camp when LeBron James um, just balled out Lenny Cook and they named him King James. You know, um, I was there. I got the video footage and everything. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, people don't know. You know, I was, I mean, I was there when Chris Paul, when Chris Paul was a high school senior at the Nike All-American camp in Indianapolis. And John Shire, who's about to be the new, I coached him at the Nike camp at, in Indianapolis. He was on my team. So- He's um, gonna coach at Duke for those that's, that's listening. Yeah, Shire once Coach K retires. Exactly. So we, a lot of history in this this body of mine. You know, of course, I I'm, I don't I don't sit back and talk about it, but I always tell people there's levels to this crap. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't understand who I am and what, and you know, I don't, and they're sitting here starting stuff and you can just sit back and, and let me go talk to coach Boyd. You know what I'm saying? He can, he can move a little bit different from me, you know, but everybody's so territorial, especially young guys, you know, that are starting out in these, you know, AAU, in this AAU world. Like I tell them, you know, it's, it's complete levels to this, you know, um, if you want to know some things, you got to talk. You know, and so I'm gonna move back to me and Marvin. That's, that's what I don't understand. Me and Marvin, that, um, you know, of course, that's what you do. He went to Roosevelt, I went to Gary Westside. So right then and there, there's a rivalry right there. You know, we're trying to outdo. So I would never play Marvin. I got an article that's archived in the end and I just start talking about charter schools and how detrimental they would be to public schools and things like that. And that's why I would play. I was a public school teacher. So again, my ignorance, you know, because where I'm from, they teach you to be territorial. You know what I'm saying? They teach you to, you know, that your fellow man is, he got a problem with you or he's your enemy. You know right. what I'm saying? Until you remove yourself from certain environments or until you talk to certain people, you realize that this my, this, my fellow man has something to offer me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm over at Gary Westside, he's at the Bowman. He's just constantly asking me to play. You know, I won't put him on a schedule because you know, they're trying to build their schedule. He's constantly asking me to play. I'm not going to play him, you know. So anyway, one, I ended up playing him in 2000. It was probably 2005. Eight, because no, eight, eight, because yeah. when I was a, if I could recall, I came in at the perfect time when we were eligible for the IHSA. Okay. So it was around seven and eighth grade. So I would say around that 2007, 2008 mark. Yep. And I and I had my team. We finally played at Gary Westside, and. I had told Marvin, I was like, listen, me and Marvin, I was like, listen, I'm going to play this game for you because, you know, we cool. I'm just going to stop doing, I'm stop, I'm going to stop being you know, um, divisive and we're going to play, you know, and I, and I told him that, you know, he got Silk and all those guys and I'm like, they're not ready for, this is, we're a 4A school, man. I'm like, it's a reason why I'm a 4A school, you know, and I'm, a, you know, I, so they ended up playing us and we were up by like 20, it was really an emotional game. Um, the game ended up being canceled early because the kids were about to fight or whatever. Parents were right. talking crazy. It was just a whole bunch of craziness going on. You know, me and Marvin weren't mad at each other at all. 
or any of that, but it was just a time when, you know, there was volatility and people thought we were mad. We used to make barbs in the, in the newspaper. Never, ever once were, you know what I'm saying, like angry to the point where we wanted to throw fists at each other, you know, but we were very, very protective of our, our basketball teams. So Absolutely. you would make comments. The crazy thing about it is, you know, uh, as we grew older and we continued to coach and do things like that, we we ended up playing each other a lot. And then more importantly, we became the best of friends, you know what I'm saying? Because we were golfers and we lit, when I tell you, we competed like, like we were playing for state championships on that golf course. You know, it was number trash talk, money. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, but, I already but know. it was good to spend that time, you know, with somebody, you know, and uh, and to learn more about, you know, we were one year apart, you know, we yeah. went to the, through the Gary's public school system. We had so much, so much in common, you know, and to spend that time with him, you know, just golfing and talking basketball and 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 doing different things. And we were going to start. Our whole plan was to start. Um, a Minorities Coaches Association, which I finally, you know, uh, made a, a non-for-profit, the Indiana Minorities Coaches Association. We were going to start that, you know, me and him. That was our baby. And we were just going to promote minority coaches because, Rico, I don't know if you know, there's not a whole lot of coaches. As yeah. a matter of fact, there's only eight, there's only, I think, nine men, me and Marvin, and a few other African-American coaches who have won state championships in the state, this grand state of Indiana. I didn't you know, know that. People don't know that. In 100 and plus years, there's only eight or nine of us. And that was the question I was going to ask you about yeah. what's it like being a minority as a, as a coach here in Indiana, being that it's still a lot of equal, equality tensions and we have to teach our players about how you got to adjust if you're trying to make this state run because I got two technical fouls at Morgan Township okay. and, and I was disqualified. You know what I mean? And uh, that'll be our last segment, just wrapping it up. What was those yeah. challenges you went through? Well, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's, you know, for lack of better words, fairness, you know, it's no reason why there should be only, you know, I haven't gotten an interview. This is, a, this is something, you know, I put my I put my name in for interviews for, you know, I mean, I'm not silly, right? you know, but some jobs where they've never had an African-American coach. My resume speaks for itself. There's nobody that should not interview me. Not one person. I'll say that to if, their face. If you're trying to win, no question. Yeah, but there's nobody based on my resume, you know, there's nobody that should not interview. You don't, you, there's no reason for you not to interview a state championship coach on any level, you know, in the state of Indiana, but that has been a, you know, something that has happened to me in different communities that I've applied for, you know, that have never had, and they don't want to have enough because it would expose, I'm just gonna be honest, it would expose certain things that they do, you know, and and they don't, you know, they, they, they wanna keep their communities and their power the way they want it, you know. Um, and that's, that's just the way that is, you know, in the state of Indiana. We're gonna, you're gonna coach, if you're an African-American coach, you're gonna coach in Gary. You'll have a shot in Fort Wayne. You'll have a shot in South Bend, maybe. 
you'll have a shot in Indianapolis, maybe in certain parts of Indianapolis. You won't get a shot in these other communities. You won't even get a shot. I mean, they'll hire a guy who's, who has a losing, who's won 30% of his game before they, I'm a 65%, 65% of the games that I coach, I win. You know, there's no coach in the state of Indiana like me who is, who is not coaching. Right. Not one. But again, you know, when you when you have the authority, you know, um, and I don't and I don't I'm not sour grapes. You know, I'm talking to you on this podcast and I'm being sure. honest with, with young African-American coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have opportunities in those regions that I said, you know, you won't have opportunities in other regions because you don't have guys who are willing, you know, the ADs, the school boards. They don't they still have to be able to talk the way they need to talk. Say the things when somebody like me walks around, um, you know, it has to become whispers. So if you don't want to whisper, you don't you don't even hire a guy or even entertain the thought of hiring a guy like that. There's nobody in this state, and I and I can say that, especially in Northwest Indiana, who sent more kids to college, who sent more kids to overseas, you know, that played in the NBA, none of that than the guy you got on this mic right now, you know, and um, and that's just a fact, you know, and they can look at all the data, you know, but again, you know, I'm, I'm happy being a principal, you know, of a school. Where are your principal at for for those that's listening? I'm an assistant principal at Krieger Middle School. I was also an assistant principal at the high school in Michigan City. So, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of that. You know, I understand that there's, there's challenges with being that, but when you're good at something, you should be celebrated. Yeah, you know, I, I like the way and and a lot of people, even my own hometown, Gary, Indiana, um, you know, uh, has some issues with me because I left. You right. know, you know how people are. They they I, are exactly. they are they are remiss that hey, like <laughs> they'll be like, well, why are you at Bosco and not Bowman Academy? Exactly. It's a it's a better opportunity for me exactly. to grow in a space that I could still navigate, but also they don't look down upon where I'm from. Like, mm-hmm. wow, he's mm-hmm. from Gary. This mm-hmm. is how he carries himself. That will yes. help the next brother who may yes. want to be here. And, yes. and so, yeah, it's all perspective, uh, Boyd, and I appreciate you. And, and that's why I wanted you to come on this podcast yes. and, and, and share your, your coaching journey and your success mm-hmm. and the challenges you went through and overcame. Thank yes. you. We have to open, you know, I'll say this in ending. It's very important for young brothers like yourself for old farts like myself to continue to open doors you know we have to open those doors we have to have a chair in the room i get a chair in the room you know so you know i can try to i can help as many people as i possibly you get a chair in the room you you have a seat that a lot of people don't understand you know and 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 because of who we are there there's jealousy we're not jealous of anything but there's right. jealousy there's concern there's there's hate, you know, when they've never even met you or talked to you, they just see your name and your title and then they make, you know, assumption. So I'm, I, I, I am more than happy and I celebrate you for all that you are doing to help a lot of young people that, you know, that need that, those opportunities, you're taking the mantle and it's very important. And I appreciate you even allowing me to be in your space, you know, cause that's what it's all about. It, you know, the elders, help the young to become right. the elders. See what I'm saying? I'm going to be good. <laughs> you Regardless. know what I'm saying? 
I'm going to be good regardless, you know, but if you want to know about this thing that we do and we love, come holler, you know, come holler at me. You know, I always tell kids, I'm not going to, I'm not going to search out for anybody to, to live a better life than me because, you know, I'm just not going to, you know, if you want knowledge, you got to come and you got to get it. You know, it's right in front of you. It's right in front of everybody. So, um, you know, I, again, I thank you for this opportunity and I appreciate you so. Thank you.